0: The work is done, it always will be.
1: I am inevitable. Hello, and welcome to the Rogue Chronicles, where today we are talking about probably Marvel's most powerful villain in Thanos. And, ladies and gentlemen, with me, as always, the Hawkeye to my Captain America. It's Mr. Liam Hall. Hello, Liam. My boys, my boys,
2: my boys. It is so good to be here. And, Carl, it's lovely to see you again. It's nice that it's just you and I,
1: um, you know, how it's meant to be. So um,
2: I'm excited to get into this.
1: Yeah, yeah, well, actually, because Fannis is such a powerful foe, we've had to bring in the big guns. And Martin? No, bigger than that. (laughs) The other half of Team Godfather, (gasps) the Black Widow to our (laughs) Hawkeye and Captain America. It's Scott McLeod, everybody.
0: (laughs) Oh, lads, lads. I knew I'd one day be invited on this show because, much like Thanos himself, I am inevitable. (laughs) (laughs) Unfortunately, I can't snap Liam away so I can just be Team Godfather. (sighs) So. You'll have to be settled for just hearing me and Carl on the lovely Mandalorian podcast, which you can also find on the Rugged back catalogue. Oh, fuck Anyway, you get your podcast. (laughs) Like it off. And the plugs in early. I like
2: it. Oh, Jesus Christ.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Anything else you want to plug, watch your hair? Don't watch Money Plane on Amazon Prime. Listen to me and Nathan review it. Also on the Rugged back catalogue.
1: You did ask.
2: <laughs> he's, such, he's such a company man. Jesus. I
1: mean, he, he could he could spend like a good hour with all the plugs matter of podcasts uh, Scott does. But let's get on yeah, it no, with. You only oh. got you only got me booked for the
0: next fifteen minutes. So come on, lads, wrap it up. Oh, <laughs> <nice>. <laughs> so no bloody
2: preamble. No, how are you? Jesus, what not? No, what did you do today? Just straight into it. Jesus, yeah,
1: God. yeah. Like me and bad.
2: Yeah, your, your, your foreplay is really <laughs> lacking. <laughs> I thought you'd know better.
0: But, say, you sound like you speak from experience there, Liam.
2: Oh, trust me. I, I speak from. Uh, we well, I, I shouldn't go into that.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's just. Uh, th- that's the end of this podcast, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> that's. that's,
2: forward, that's listening in.
1: Uh, let's get into the show. And Scott, you messaged us. You had some interesting uh, things to say about Thanos, uh, the difference between him in the comic book and the films, I believe.
0: Yeah, because I figured you guys would be talking a lot about. Thanos is a, a character mostly from what we've seen of him in uh, the two Avengers Infinity War from Avengers Infinity War and Endgame, which he is very good in. But obviously, as with many of the MCU characters, some creative creative license has been taken with the the origins of the character from the comic books as opposed to how it's adapted all into live action. So I thought I'd uh, deliver some. But I'd give some like backstory to Thanos and talk about some of the differences between how he is in the comics to how we is portrayed, and see if that, you know, I think the backstory would help will give a full image of you know him as him as a villain. But Thanos was created by a Marvel comic writer called Jim Starlin, and he first appeared in Invincible Ar- Invincible Iron Man number fifty five in February of nineteen seventy three. Uh, Jim Starlin credits creating Thanos during a site class he took one one year before he properly started getting into comic book writing and included him uh, in issue 55 of Invincible Iron Man because he got offered to do the, write the issue and wasn't sh- sure if his comic book career would really take off after that. So he just thought, I'll get it in now while I can. And over the years, Thanos, he was very thin. Thanos was very thin when he first appeared in this comic uh, rather than a bulkier frame that we, we were expecting. And the influence in changing that look is partly based, inspired by the look for Darkseid, the DC villain, as all quite a few Marvel characters have been and somewhat inspired by DC characters. But yeah, Jim Starling, he does have a quite successful comic book career. He's also credited for um, helping to co-create such characters as Trax the Destroyer, Gamora, and Shang-Chi who is having his own film coming out at uh, some point soon in the next phase of the MCU. But yeah, uh, Thanos was born on a planet called Titan, it's the, or actually the moon of, uh, of Saturn, and he is a part of a race called the Deviants, which are offshoots of the Eternals, who are also getting their own uh, movie in the next phase of the MCU. Mm. And so the Deviants are basically godlike beings, and they all have their own abilities, but some of them, much like... Uh, Thanos have a certain deviant gene which means they they have also some powers from the eternal ancestors so his powers are also kind of amplified, making one of the stronger members of his race and also one of the key things that grew over the years was his intellect and and, uh, that actually, despite his family actually loving him a lot of people in time were intimidated apparently by Thanos which caused him to feel quite isolated Which lured him into the arms of a key feature of his character that's not explored into in the MCU, which is his love of death, or specifically Lady Mm. Death, the uh, physical embodiment of Death. Whokev is the devil on his shoulder. He loves her, but she doesn't always return the favor back to him. And so, Daniel started learning all sorts of ways of the universe and dark arts, which eventually got him banished from Titan and. Basically, he tries goes out there using the ultimate power in the universe, which he believes to be the Infinity Stones and the Gauntlet, to destroy as much of the universe, and in some versions, just all of it, or some versions, seven just trying to reshape it in a way that will appease uh, Death. Clearly enough Death at one point in the comics actually fell in love with uh, Deadpool, so that was a weird story. And yeah, Jim Stone has been the main writer on most of Thanos' storylines. Thanos is actually first Thanos pre-AMCU it didn't really appear much popular despite being such a featured character in the comics He would pop up here and there in the animated series Uh, but his first appearance in any sort of media was 1998's The Silver Surfer animated series where he was a kind of secondary antagonist but what I found out in my research there is they changed Lady Death to Lady Chaos because it was a Fox Kids show and Fox's broadcasting standards wouldn't allow them to have a character called Lady Death
2: did you did you get all that ladies and gentlemen no, but, 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 very interesting, Do you, is the per, how's the personality um change from the comic books to the films has it been the quite a faithful adaptation or was it a bit more is it too complex to kind of fully you know
0: bring it to life i think thanos and always he has you kind know, of. Well, they've changed, I think, about Thanos and the adaptation and the MCU. I think his methods are more relatable in a way, like, or more understanding where he's coming from, because I think they decided to take out the whole obsession with death thing, as they didn't think it would be a motivation a lot of people could probably get behind. Whereas he talks a lot about balance in the, uh, the Avengers movies, and you kind of see his point of view at points, even though you know he's still mad for trying to kill half the universe. And... So I think that's why they took it. Even though they do kind of tease it and his first ever actual appearance, you see him at the end of that Avengers post credit scene 2012 where the guy, I can't remember the name of the character, the guy who basically advised him says to challenge the humans is to court death and Thanos smiles, which was the only real reference we've got into this part of his backstory.
1: Yeah, it's it's really interesting. I have heard parts about um, his obsession with death Um through reading up on him a bit of research and seeing various list things on your uh, YouTube sites but uh, I didn't know all about um it's you know it's sort of been been a Titan with um a sort of almost like uh, abilities from the of uh, the um well, what are they called Eternals. The Eternals, yeah. yeah, the
0: Eternals. So that, so yeah. that's all quite interesting. I think also, like, because I've been looking, trying to look up his abilities, and like, he's obviously stronger. He's and he's he's smarter. The smarter villains, everything that does come across in the the movies, along with, two, with various elements. ones, like he's almost invulnerable. He can project energy and everything. So I think that part of his backstory kind of emphasises he's already a very powerful character, and the fact that he's all, often seen with the Infinity Gauntlet then shows. How powerful he is with and without that uh, that part of his character.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, it, also in the in the films he's portrayed has been really powerful. And then, yeah, he has the Infinity Stones, and it's uh, you know a hundred times that perhaps, and you can just. Click your fingers and make half the universe disappear. It, it's mad stuff, mm. and uh, you could, you know, pretty much take on all the Avengers single-handedly and and win. So, <laughs> I think you do have to use a villain like that quite sparingly when when they're so powerful, or you do end up watering them down eventually.
2: I think, I think we did manage him quite well, though.
1: Because I mean, you, you didn't really see. That much of him,
2: you know, in terms of the films, until it was um, Infinity War. You know, he kind of made cameos here and there, and he never really, he never did a lot. But it's just kind of keeping you, like you know, keeping it in your mind.
0: Mm -hmm. And I think when you actually look at his backstory and everything, like uh, there there was a series throughout the nineties, like I think ninety-one, they had a a six-part series called The Infinity War. Which then, oh sorry, it was the Infinity Gauntlet, which then led to another six parts using ninety two, which is called the Infinity Gauntlet, in ninety three, where Thanos was the main cause for basically trying to. It was all, very much all these characters trying to take out Thanos, and when you look out, uh, when you look up the characters, obviously he's a, a enemy of X Men, Fantastic Four, Avengers, Guardians, so it's always a team that has to come together to take out Thanos. So I think already that a lot of hardcore like comic fans knew he was. I think over the course of the movies, they kind of set him up as this big bad and. They wanted. It's well, definitely a threat worthy of the Avengers coming together in the movies. And I think it's amazing how they basically introduced him to a whole new like audience of people who wouldn't have read the comics. Even with these changes to his character, he still comes off as one of the most probably compelling villains, like adapted to a comic book movie.
1: Yeah, definitely, and he he is certainly very compelling and interested in the. Um the Avenger films because mm-hmm. um, he does seems to have like a method to his madness, doesn't he? He's mm-hmm. his, uh, his own world, and the film um, was destroyed um, thanks to overpopulation and everybody using up all the resources and and whatnot. And he sees that happening everywhere, and he thinks eliminating half the universe is the only way for it to survive, or that at least that's. How he sort of convinces himself his actions <laughs> are justified, anyway.
2: Well, here's a question, though, for you: Is he is he a villain? Which may sound a bit of a strange question, but when you when you look at what he's done and all his points, he did, he really does have quite a good point. But obviously, he's being he's being positioned as you know a villain, but. I I can kind of see why people say that he is technically the hero of the Avengers.
0: I think uh, it's a case of how he executes, you know, his plans and everything. Like he has a purpose; he has a reason for why he wants to do what he does, like like helping save all population. But the way he goes about it by just immediately killing like half the universe just at random, is... I think what makes him a villain the way he goes about it, and he's basically disregard for people who get in his way of trying to get the gems and everything. I think but it's his actions w- that make him a villain rather than his means.
2: Yeah, but I mean the actual choice to do it, you know, because it, it, it's it's a completely random killing. It's not like based on social status or wealth or race or anything else. You know, if if you look at it from that perspective, like. He's is he he has a really, really decent point. Um, I, I guess it is kind of how he goes about. You know, he obviously forces the death of millions, well billions and billions, probably trillions. But I can kind of I don't know. Is it's a weird one? Mm-hmm.
1: It, it is because overpopulation is a is a massive problem as we talk now on this planet i mean you've only got the resources for so many people and yet we keep multiplying at an exponential rate mm. and these you know and this he's seeing this happening across the universe but and he, in his mind the, these populations do need thinning down but then it's still genocide it, it is a yeah. it is a very strange sort of question
2: Actually, mm-hmm. it is a genocide because genocide is um, a particular group of people, isn't
1: it? No, I think it's just mass murder on any yeah. scale, isn't
2: that? Oh, I guess. Yeah. So. I, I thought it was a specific um, group. It, yeah. It, it, I think it,
1: I know what I think I know what you're getting at, but it's not. Yeah. No, yeah. It, it is. It is just what you call mass uh, mm-hmm. genocide. Yeah. Yeah. You, you know what? You, what killing, you well, it is, it, it is. sort of yeah, killing off uh
2: mm You know, yeah. it would be really interesting to watch this back to back with um Torchwood um Miracle Day. Oh, yeah, I I think that would have been that would be very interesting because obviously it's very it's a very very similar topic in a way. I'm, I'm,
0: I'm going off track a little bit here, but I'm,
1: yeah, you babble in, but you yeah, know, okay, we'll I'm go right.
0: we'll go with it. <laughs> yeah, as soon as you said Torchwood, you lost me. I've never watched it.
2: Oh, damn it! Probably <laughs> be sophisticated and invisible happens. Oh. Son. <laughs> I just can't
1: handle it. But, um, so, Sorry, go on, Carl. I was going to say, so Scott, are you a, a big reader of the comic books? Sam?
0: Uh, I have to admit I wasn't as... My relationship with the comics was I get the odd graphic novel when I was growing up, but I didn't properly with the comics until, like, after the first Avengers really came out, so I didn't know really a lot about Thanos, and it's really after that, and a lot of stuff I know about comics is not just from me about, like, reading up and seeing videos about people's origins because when I into something I just delve straight into it so when I had, we had that scene at the end of Avengers where he does the turn around and he smiles uh, I had no idea who he was yeah. I just saw mm. uh, I just saw purple so I, I stupidly thought he was Galactus for some reason because that's the only model that Marvel one I thought had some sort of purple aesthetic and then afterwards I found out it was Thanos and everything it's only after that I've figured out like more about who he was, and I do like how they they kind of I think it's is, as it is nice that they took out that death thing was, apart from that one reference, which is you know, a lot of fan service. Because when we talk about how he tries to justify himself, it's slightly more relatable. And like even Liam's saying like, "Is he the villain or is he a hero?" Because if he had that death thing as a real part of his character, then it, it's just evil for evil's sake. Whereas if you're building up to him for so many movies you need to have like a proper or you know, make him a more well rounded character.
1: Yeah, and you also have to think about the length of films as well. It'd be another subplot that you'd have to make room for and those films were long enough as as they are to be fair. <laughs> yeah, you that. I thought we
2: did a good job of um of kind of you know having quite a lot of depth considering the the amount of time they had. You know, because he's a character with, he he does have a lot of pathos. And I, I mean, mean, you know, um, Scott, you kind of said that he's kind of, he's less kind of pathos in comics, which I I find quite interesting.
0: I took the wrong moment to take a bit of a cookie, didn't I? Sorry. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I I definitely agree. I think that they knew that they wanted to uh, they knew when the Avengers runs, they need a certain amount of threat to bring the Avengers together and that's why I'm so interested to see what happens going forward to the next thing they do in Avengers movie because after everything they did with Thanos how are they going to what what is going to be the next big threat but I think choosing him out of all characters is good because for all the movies that were going to come out, like even the solo ones having the event the Infinity Gems scattered across like for Doctor Strange and for the Thor movies and wherever else they'd pop up they allowed them to build up to the Infinity Gauntlet uh, coming together, and you know, flesh out like these different the different powers of these stones, and then you realise when they all come together just how powerful something like Thanos is when he's able to wield them.
1: Yeah, I mean it's so well done. The threads and all the the different movies and mentions of um, Infinity Stones and and whatnot, and spread across what 10, 12 years, and. Laced together through all the different individual films, unlike where you can see what um, uh, My DC tried to do. They, they tried to rush into it with uh, one film introducing new characters and stuff, and it, it just didn't quite work the same way, did it? It sort of fell flat on its ass.
0: Yeah, because, yeah, like, you know, there's a lot of trying to get the stones across Endgame and Infinity War, but by that point, at the start of. Uh, Infinity War, you already know where they are, and like you're it's already gotten to by the start of it. Because if you don't introduce them, there, then you'd have to have a whole against subplot of Thanos getting all the stones, but you already know where most of them are at the start of Infinity War, and then you've got the Avengers going back in time to get them back. So it was interesting to like you say you're getting to spread them out, even if it does kind of in some ways create kind of a similar plot for a films like you have to get once a certain magical, powerful object off this one bad day or whatever then you realise that each of these objects is just one part of a bigger story which Thanos is a big
1: part of. Yeah, precisely. Um, another thing about Thanos what we're talking about him he, he did generally have um, uh, affection for Gamora as well because mm-hmm. you know he, he had to sacrifice someone he loved to claim the soul stone and he does seem generally, genuinely upset when he um, Sacrifices her for the stone, so it, it it made him a bit more than a you know your two dimensional villain that you see in a lot of these films.
2: Yeah, um, I, I'm, for... I'm wondering if. sorry I'm go ahead. No, I I, I basically see. I was going to say like yeah, particularly for a Marvel film, I think he's by far the most compelling villain they have. I think to be honest.
0: Uh, I, I was going to say, I'm wondering if that relationship that they took out with him in death is kind of almost replaced with his relationship with Gamora in a way that he is this intimidating like character. And he's out like his first proper film that he gets feature time in, in Guardians. He's just sitting on this throne, almost like a an emperor from Star Wars deep character, just barking orders and everything. But like we see him as this intimidating villain. I said before like he was he was introduced in the comics as kind of skinnier than he actually would go on to be, but then he's bulkier, for he actually makes him more intimidating as a villain. Mm. Uh, but then you learn that he is capable of, of loving something or someone in the comics is there but here it's Gamora, which actually makes you, like, sad almost for him, despite the fact he's throwing her off a cliff in order to get this stone. You feel bad for him more than her.
1: Yeah, it's crazy how they sort of almost make you feel sympathy for uh, the, the- the movie's villain who's trying to wipe out mm-hmm. half the universe in uh, one scene it's very well done because
0: mm-hmm. like he doesn't have a real grand plan afterwards in the film as supposed to the comics because he just eats well, up half the earth and then just goes and rests on a farm until also the Avengers come and find him whereas you know he's got all these plans for like domination in the comics but his real plan is like well I'm going to wipe out half the universe and then I'm going to retire to be honest I
2: think that's goals to be honest <laughs>
1: Man, he sort of risks himself because it takes a lot of it himself when he uses the the Infinity Stones to sort of destroy the Infinity Stones.
0: Because
1: mm-hmm. he's basically a shell of his former self, which uh, leaves him vulnerable to uh, the the Avengers' assault on him.
2: Mm, absolutely. So, Carl, do you do you think we should go through our um, our rating system?
1: Yeah. Well, why not?
2: Yeah, we we have it here, so we might as well use it, I guess. So um, this one's I think the first category, I think it's going to be quite interesting. I kind of want to get Scott's opinion on it. Um, fear factor or slash threat? Mm. What, what say you?
0: I I ten. I, have ten. <sighs> right, I think it would be quite high because even without the stones, he is you know almost a giant like behemoth. Almost when you see him. And uh, even with the stones he was able to like swat like Spider Man on that way. like he's that strong. But then you see him with the stone, so he, I think uh he is intimidating and I think you would fear for him. Because like, you see in the fight scenes how basically it's taking everybody everything to kind of just barely get him to a knee and everything and how mm. desperate everybody is to stop him. So I think mm. he's fairly intimidating, and also people when, he, when people just talk about him when he's not even there, but they talk about him as this you know, as a thing to be afraid of, so I'd, I'd say a 9 out of 10, I think.
1: Yeah, I'd have to go really high. I mean, I don't know if it's the same in the comics, but he, um, you know, he was able to best the Hulk. I think in the, I think in some comics he's even beaten Galactus before now. He's map, you know, he's a planet-killing supergiant, mm. so. And uh, there's a good bit when they're fighting on um, what's left of Titan uh, against all the Avengers, and uh, my Man manages to cut him, and he says, all that just for a drop of blood. Mm,
0: yeah, because, or like, that's very similar to, like, you think after everything that they've got, and, like, they finally managed to stop on like when Thor hit some of the axe, and then he just goes, you should have went for the head, mm. and he just does the, the snapping, yeah, like, I may have mentioned a thing, but like, I'm pretty sure I read somewhere it said, in the comics, he's managed to hold his own against Odin as well, as the father of Thor, which is obviously no mean feat because Odin's pretty much a god as well.
1: Yeah, definitely. I, I'm I'm going to have to say a ten. I think. Wow. I, I, how do you what, do, you, Liam? Um, uh, I think I'm probably going to go for a nine as well. I
2: mean, things. he... I don't think he's particularly scary per se, um, but I, I he definitely is very very threatening and. Um, I mean, yeah, it's, it's pretty insane. You know, what? it's kind of weird because this is kind of a bit more power than it is threats. Um, mm. So actually, so actually, should we say if this is the power round, or I guess they're kind of similar?
1: Kind yeah, of, yeah. He poses a just pose a huge threat. What's wipe wipe out half the universe? I don't think there's much more bigger threat than that, personally. Yeah. Apart right. from the threat of being stuck <laughs> with Liam for the rest of your life. <laughs>
2: You, you, you meant the joy right that's what you meant yeah yeah
1: sorry yeah
2: okay that's good very good um so i guess with that um if that was power i think we should go to um fear factor um i think ah uh, i might give him a seven i he never really actually i'm gonna give him a because he never really scares me but he is quite an intimidating figure
0: See, for 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 that last one was power, I think I might have to change it, because I think i will still go with a 9 for fear, because even without the Infinity Gauntlet, he's still very intimidating, but like, it's hard to rank Thanos in terms of power, because you not have to consider him maybe some, at times with and without the gauntlet, mm-hmm. because I'm sorry, I know, I know I've mentioned he's already powerful there, but also anybody who has the Infinity Gauntlet, even if it's not Thanos, is automatically considered like one of the most powerful beings in the universe. So yeah. that's a really weird one a really rank, then.
2: Uh... He's mm. It feels like for Thanos, I think the power and his fear factor almost are both the same thing, which mm. is very strange.
1: Yeah, so, and from my experience, especially when it comes to women, when a, you know they get very scared when a big purple thing comes at them. <laughs> mm.
2: Yeah, you, you 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 really should you you know, Elastic bands around your willy—it's not—it's not, it's not <laughs> the way you go Carl Yeah, <laughs> I, I know you. I know you've been told that, like in the 1500s, that that makes it bigger, but it—it it just doesn't work. I'm sorry.
1: Yeah, you know, I need to try everything I can, mate. To be honest with you. Yeah. To be fair, he's he's brand
0: an one now. Carl, that's a that's a type of snap that you don't really want to happen. <laughs> <laughs> oh. God. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh Jesus
1: Christ! Oh, I couldn't it, help what, it. Oh, so so um so what 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 what's your guys' rating then? I'm gonna say I'm gonna say a nine. Okay, yeah, I think I'm gonna stick with what I said before.
2: A nine. All right, cool. Uh let's see. Okay, uh, complexity of character. I think um, I think this is probably a ten. Um, which yeah. is very rare for me to give a ten for complexity of character, but I, I think I think Thanos is he's a very complex dude
1: yeah I definitely think he is especially in the film as you say we see he's, he's prepared to give up the one thing he loves um to gain the soul stone to complete his mission as he as he sees it uh, in the mm-hmm. comics he's he's in love with death uh mm-hmm. you can't get much complex than that can you Let, let's be honest,
0: <laughs> yeah
1: I think i mean. If- inadvertently at times made him a slightly more
0: one dimensional with the thing about death, but I just think that would be it's harder to translate to like live action. Uh so that's why I said I'd probably best to change it. But yeah, I think Ten is fair up because you know the diff- the version they have in the films is like again, people are almost siding with them. You got the version here where he's kind of shunned from his own planet uh in a way and then falls for death and Goat travels the world trying to destroy it for her. There's also a version of the comic that I read where uh, his mother is repulsed by his, like, purplish appearance and is eventually locked up because she keeps trying to kill him. So, you know, that's going to give you some issues growing up.
2: Uh, I've been there. Uh, I was going to say, Lee, all about that. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, why well, I, I like to think that well, i proved him wrong, but uh, that's kind of besides the point. Um but yeah so are, are you guys both going for 10 yeah I think I will yeah, yeah. Already? actually I don't know if I gave you 10 already I think I did I can't remember um alright next one we're getting near the end now lads uh aesthetic
1: hmm interesting yeah we, it's an interesting it, it, one
2: yeah these things this has been ruined by um, all the kind of um, rule 34 porn of him <laughs> I, I I can't really see him in the same way now to be honest <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, that that's your look at it, Liam. Yeah, I was gonna say the non deviants
0: amongst us here on this podcast, uh, I mean again, like the whole like frame of them like are just bulking like character and mm-hmm. the fact that he's purple as well, that makes them kinda of stand out from most even if there's that weird meme of like putting Shaq's face on his face but like still purple. <laughs> 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 Oh,
1: uh, I, I don't really know what to say about this one really. Yeah, I mean it's not I don't it's not one of it's not like one of my favourite looks. I mean, as Scott says, he just sort of stand out, but it's not it's not like an iconic look mm-hmm. like uh say a Darth Vader or a, or even a Joker or something. But
0: mm.
1: I mean he, he's definitely a... stands out. He's a definitely stands out from the rest of the Marvel crowd. Yeah, and it is
0: very faithfully adapted, like look wise, on a live action and everything. But I think i still go with a seven. Yeah, I'm thinking wow. seven
1: as well. Actually,
2: I was actually going to give it higher. I was going to give it. Um, I think I was actually going to give it a nine. I I really like his look. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's um like the kind of the, the veiny kind of very blocky chin is very um is, is very stands out
1: for me. Mm-hmm. Now I know where you get me to dress up in that weird outfit every night.
2: <laughs> well I I I I probably didn't mention that, but um it's okay.
0: <laughs> you know I can recommend a I can recommend a couple therapist for you guys if you got some stuff to work out. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: oh jesus um so the last one i i think this one's gonna be actually this one might be interesting impact on
1: pop culture so uh, sorry i mean you sticking with a nine on um yeah i, I think us. i'm gonna stick with a nine what, what 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 about you are you gonna give it a score scott he already did. yeah i think i did i think uh, me and you scored at the same
0: time oh, we so we like, uh, uh, yeah yeah sorry uh <laughs> pss, pss, Liam. That's that's how they start, you know. At that age, you know, I I start looking at homes now. <laughs> yeah, we've been, we've like, been talking like, about it for a while. My <laughs> dad's already started like having yelling at clouds. You know, that's that's how it starts. Oh, yeah, hey,
1: clouds are annoying buggers, I'll have you know. <laughs> yes, yeah, Scott, we're, we're gonna have to talk talk about this off air. Um, but
2: anyway, um, impact on pop
0: culture. <laughs> Nurse! Uh, they're picking on me again, nurse <laughs> Carl, oh. I've told you a million times, that's not a nurse, that's the lampshade. Ah, oh, bollocks! you're right. But <laughs> 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 one thing about uh, we, these villains you guys have talked about before is so like their portrayal on uh, in the live and the like their portrayal in the movies and the or TV shows that they appear in and I think we'd be remiss if we didn't talk first a lot about I think this may be the best place for it since we haven't already heard about Josh Brolin's
1: portrayal of the character.
0: Mm. I don't know what
1: you guys think of it. Yeah, I think he I think he does a standout job, to be honest. He's a really good actor, Josh Brolin, probably one of my favourite actors around at the moment because I thought he was really good as, um, as Cable as well in uh, mm-hmm. Deadpool 2. Yeah. I think he is a, a solid choice. I know obviously there's a
0: lot of CGI involved, but it still has, like, jawline, I think. You, you see him is still, like, like, perfect for some, like, like, Thanos. Is, like, as Liam said, that kind of venous, like purple, like, chin that he's got. And I think it was funny, I think it was funny that he got this part and cable room at the same time. I think they even put a, a Thanos stroke into Deadpool 2 because of it. Uh, but also you know, obviously, he's got that very, like, Rough, rough voice for him, but he can add real gravitas to it, so I think he does a really good job of it, because I thought it'd be best to talk about as, uh, you know, sometimes, you know, villains impact, I think, can really rest on how the actors behind them portray them, cause that can make it uh, more memorable than they already are.
1: Yeah, if you, if you miscast a villain, you, you can be in all sorts of trouble, can't you? Well, if you miscast anybody, really, but yeah, villains... Quite often tend to be the more interesting aspect of superhero films, so I, mm-hmm. I think it is important that you get you get them spot on.
0: Yeah, I think I think it's been said in the past. You know, our good heroes almost as, always only as good as these best villains, and I think that's why Spider Man and Batman are always been popular because they have such a rich gallery of, of villains
1: each. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely the the better yeah. rogues gallery. The, the sort mm-hmm. of best stories you can churn out. The better you wrote Chronicles. Oh, no, <laughs> <laughs> nice, try. There. No,
0: nice try, Leo. nice Thank try, Thank you. A, a B, a B plus for effort, though. So, B plus for effort.
2: <laughs> Execution enough, but um, that But yeah, I, 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 you know, I've never been a huge fan of Josh Bolin, but I think he's really,
1: really good in this role. Um. Mm-hmm. I don't know, he's been in a lot of my favourite films I mean, he's really good in No Country for Old Men I love him in uh, Oh, you find you Gr- him <laughs> no, no, but I mean, well, I've watched it years ago but I just need to I need to rewatch it at some point to refresh my memory on stuff That's but it. I digress
0: That's and he's really good in uh, good.
1: Planet, I love him in Planet Terror as well mm-hmm. if you guys have ever seen that I
2: thought you were going to say uh, the, um, the American version of Old Boy and I was going to kill you
1: No, not seen, not seen that Oh,
0: right, uh, good. <laughs> it's weird, the first thing I actually seen Josh Brolin in was when he played a young version of Tom Lee Jones' character in the third Men in Black
1: film. Oh, yeah, yeah. It. He's really good in that as so well. He, he plays mm-hmm. it spot on, doesn't he? Yeah. Uh, also, he was like,
0: one of his proper roles was in he was in Goonies. He was like the character's older brother. Hmm. Hmm. Which is going to show like how far he's come from that role to this.
2: You know, it's more of these films which I recognise. I didn't even realise he was—he was in his fifties, to be honest.
0: Hmm. I so, think I think he's definitely a character I think you'd need someone older for Thanos, someone with a bit more gruffness in their voice, or like some of like what Thanos is kind of almost monologues at points, because there are times where he just goes off and starts talking about his plans and everything why what he's doing is right. So I think for that kind of you need an actor like a Josh Brolin for that kind of part.
1: Mm. Yeah, 100%. He's, mm. uh, yeah, he does He does bring a lot, as you say, does bring a lot to the role, and uh, a lesser actor might not have pulled it off so well. Yeah, but I think
0: it's good. So also, he helps it make it memorable, the fact that there's all this anticipation to the, these movies makes people anticipate seeing Thanos is I think it was just as well that Brolin was as good as he was and those films were as good as they were because, honestly, it had to be good with all the build-up they'd had to eventually Thanos coming and being the major threat to Avengers, like, bigger than what they'd faced already. But, and i I think Endgame was uh, one of the highest grossing films, like, of all time. Well, obviously, it helped make him stand out, but I still don't think, despite having, like, so many, like, comic fans out there knowing who he was, I still don't think he was the most. There are a few villains who are probably slightly more well known than he was. But when they mm. when they brought him into live action and everything, because I don't think he'd popped up in as much like animated media as some other Marvel villains. So I think, despite how good he is in these films, the impact may be a bit lower. But it may have to be a bit lower than the other ones because he's. Just because he has these two standout films doesn't mean he's the most well known villain. I think he will be remembered, but I, I'm trying, I don't know really what I'm trying to get at here. But, no, I, I guess, think
1: I get what yeah. you're saying, um, because I. It, like the first Avengers when he's revealed in the teaser like you like you pet. I didn't know who he was but you know I could watch Star Wars and I always knew who Darth Vader was I always kind of mm-hmm. knew who Magneto was and even Apocalypse but um, yeah yeah Thanos I was like who the hell's that I had to wait until somebody said it was Thanos and then uh, do a bit of research on him so for me that yeah his impact on pop culture is very recent so for me i can't really give him too high of a score is it yeah. um is it a good
2: comparison to compare him to iron man though because i i never really heard of iron man
1: before any of the films either no i i knew of iron man uh, okay. to be honest but yes if you hadn't know it is a similar thing for you
0: I, yeah. I didn't really know that much about Iron Man before. Well, but even that, yeah. But I would say he wasn't really well known to me. I heard his name mentioned offhandly, like in like like certain films when they were talking about comic book characters. Uh,
1: that must, I had no idea about. just because an i mentioned man. Perhaps.
0: Uh, I think there was a cartoon like there was around when I was like younger. I don't think I saw but many episodes of it until after I'd already seen the film. Maybe if I'd seen, if I'd watched the episodes of that cartoon, then maybe I'd, uh, I'd known more who he was because that's probably, you know, I'd like, I love that Silver Surfer cartoon image that Thanos first appeared in, like, in a form of media, but he's such a small part of it, I forgot he was around because obviously like, Galactus is the main threat of that. So, like, yeah, like a Magneto or a Joker in terms of comic books to a uh, media, I think their impact would be probably a bit higher than Thanos, even though. Thanos has been portrayed across these two like Avengers films as a bigger threat, probably, than those two.
1: Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think I'm going to have to go through perhaps a sex um, mm. impact on pop culture. Mm. It's about, it's like, maybe if you were doing this part in 10 or 20 years' time and you're still talking about Thanos... In the same vein as you still talk about a uh, Joker or Darth Vader, have been around for fifty plus years. Then maybe you could start scoring him higher. Then, but but for now,
0: yeah, I think I think I agree because like he's definitely somebody worth talking about in a, in a series like this. Because I like, think in terms of villains in recent memory, he's someone worth talking about. But yeah, I agree with you that if people are looking back on these films and I'm, I'm sure they will because they're excellent and in the same vein as they do now then and the same vein as they talk about vader and the original trilogy and things like that uh then i think the rate would probably go up But like it's no surprise that in game that was one of the highest grossing films of all time because that seems to be a thing with like uh like star wars fast and furious and the mcu they always every time there's a new film uh, from these franchise, that comes out. It always needs to break some sort of record, so it's hard to base it just on how much money the film made.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, mm. as you say, Fast and Furious films are, are a rather tripe by now, but they still make loads of cash.
2: How yeah, I mean, dare you?
0: I mean, yeah, going <laughs> I mean, probably make like a shitload of money, but I don't think we'll still be doing an. E- I don't think you guys will be doing an episode on John Cena's character from the upcoming film. <laughs>
1: We <laughs> most certainly will. Maybe wow. We should. <laughs>
2: Dare you.
1: We, we, we need someone new at the bottom. So maybe <laughs> we're going to bring Finn Martin on for that one. Who's? Yeah, he's been
0: a Finn Martin's been seen as a villain for years. But <laughs> sorry, <laughs> I who currently? Who currently is at the bottom right now?
2: Uh hang on. Uh let me
1: find my. Wasn't it Roy from? Um,
2: Yes, I, I think it is Roy. Primal Roy. fail.
1: Yes, yeah. which,
2: which I, I believe... Well, Cape Fear, as Scott
0: thought it was. Yeah, I was going <laughs> to say. I, I, thought, I thought you guys were doing Cape Fear, but I was still happy to see, because I remember really enjoying that film with Norton. but yeah, you really I really would recommend doing Cape Fear at some point, but we've gotten very much off track. Liam, what would you say in terms of Thanos's impact on, like, pop culture?
2: It's weird, because, I mean, obviously it's, it's been kind of recent, and obviously we didn't really know it before then, but I feel like he's kind of, I think he's made a, a really huge impact, even if, in a very short space of time. I mean, you know, you, you still see memes of Phamo, Thanos. And, you know, mm-hmm. it's, been, it's been two years since um, Endgame.
1: Actually, no, it's been probably four years since Endgame. See, I forget that's a long time for someone as young as you. <laughs> to me, that, four years is like a blip to me. That yeah. that might I as think well have be- been a, an hour ago. I think it came out in twenty nineteen endgame, I think Infinity War
0: was twenty eighteen. So it's not even that long ago. I think it's only oh, two wow. years ago. Yeah, right, actually. I think Did we're all know? I think I think we should all be happy that these films weren't a year later <laughs> than they were because if we got yeah. like twenty nineteen we got Infinity War and the Snap and then COVID hits so we can't all go to cinema and watch Endgame. I think that would be worse that that would make the pandemic ten times worse than it already is.
1: I do I do think the uh the lockdowns have uh, completely ruined our perspective on time. To be honest, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I feel like I, I always add a year on
2: to stuff. So wait, wait, Carl, so you, you said seven, did you? Six, or? six, and and, and
0: um, Scott, you said, uh, I like I made nine. That's why I was trying to. I was trying to get your rating, so I'll oh, try and I buy see. myself time. <laughs> but, you know, you. But now you've made me. You know, you've made me. Ex-
2: it's fine. Ex- I'm going to say an eight personally.
0: Yeah, this is. The, I think this is kind of the lowest one because, like, I definitely think this will go up uh, towards ten uh, when we look back. If you look back on five, ten years time, but I'm gonna have to go for the six as well. Like, much like Carl. Oh, wow! So but honestly, I, I'm kind of surprised how low that was. Um, okay. I mean, he's not went. He's not went below five in any of these rings, so he's still above the halfway line, which I think still says something about how strong a character is. That's
2: true. I mean, he, he, um, he beat um, Roy, I think, um, two or three rounds ago. So, I mean, um, he, he, he's done a good job. Um, mm-hmm. So, he, where, where do you think he is? Do you, do, you, do, you, do you want me to run down the list so you can kind of guess where he might be?
0: Yeah, I think, I think given, given that there's been a fair one or two nines and a couple of tens in there, I think, I think he's got to be towards the top, I think. I think Maybe. he's going to be second or third.
2: Okay, so um, number one is um, Vader. Um, you know, right, right up top with ninety two. Then we have Dracula on ninety one. Joker with eighty seven point five. Hannibal, La- Hannibal Lecter with eighty five point five, and Magneto with eighty three. Reaping Angels eighty two, and then we have a three way tie with Joker, with um, the Master, Daleks, and Green Green Goblin on seventy nine, and then we have uh, the Babadook on seventy eight, and then below that it's just kind of irrelevant so uh, on that list where do you think he might be
0: I, I don't think I can't really see him being higher than a uh, Joker I think he's just below Magneto there because like I said there uh, I think Magneto and Joker in terms of comic villains have had a bigger impact so I'm going to say somewhere just below Magneto
1: what would you call I'm going to say um just behind, it was our second, was it? Uh, I'm going to say just behind uh, Joker.
2: You can tell he's been doing this for a while, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Carl, you you are indeed correct. We have a new fourth place. Um Ooh. he is one whole point behind Joker. Quite interestingly. So, so,
0: so, so both Thanos, it's Joker, Dracula, and Vader.
2: Yeah. So yeah. So it's Vader, Dracula, Joker, and Med Thanos
0: that's i think that's pretty fair
2: yeah and uh i mean you know you above hannibal lecter which turns out i'm kind of surprised hannibal
0: lecter is so high um but yeah i mean yeah i think i think the hannibal lecter one again is down to the performance uh, over the years as well i think that will impact a lot of probably impact a lot of the villains you talk about in the series
1: yeah, I mean Anthony Hopkins was just so good as, as Hannibal actor. And he just brought some of it, brought some of it to it. Uh, it's you know it's amazing that somebody with like barely fifteen minutes of screen time in the first film has just you know stood the test of time basically. Because I don't yeah. think his other performances really measure up to the to the first film.
0: Yeah, I mean Hannibal. Uh isn't that good? I mean, the film, not the TV show. Uh, and I think I think Red Dragon is still fairly good, even though, obviously, it probably doesn't compare uh, still not as good as uh, Silence of the Lambs. But I think the closest to it is some of the scenes and
1: Red Dragon, especially the back and forth between him and Ed Norton. The main trouble with Red Dragon is Anthony Hopkins is trying to play a younger version of a character <laughs> he played 20 years ago. And he was already getting yeah. a man. <laughs>
0: yeah, oh. you can see some grey in his hair when he's doing Silent Hill. So yeah, I, I think it's funny that like how clearly his hairs died in that scene where he <laughs> yeah. comes to his house <laughs> to try and make him look younger. Oh,
2: but, 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 but you know This has been quite a fine episode. Um, it's, it's been a, it's been one of the long, longer ones we've done for a while. To be honest, I think.
1: Yeah, it's always gonna be a bit long one, here. Yeah. Add a, another voice and someone who can bring the intellect level up.
2: Yeah, which um uh, we definitely desperately needed.
1: I was gonna say, if you're gonna
0: uh, if you're thinking of getting more guests on, I think if you're concerned about length then maybe tell Sam to give this particular TV the miss. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you know why I go two and a half hours.
2: <laughs> oh, trust me, I, I, I'm never concerned about length. But um... <laughs> oh, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, speaking of uh, speaking of length, um, Carl, um, plug me, please. Oh
1: God! I beg your pardon.
2: Uh, you give g- g- give me your plugs.
1: You can find me at uh, <laughs> Carlos underscore Fire at on Twitter and Instagram. You can find us at Rogue underscore Opinions on Twitter and Instagram, and you can find us on rogueopinions20.wordpress.com on the tinternet for articles and blogs and whatnot. And you can catch other other podcasts we do. Um, Like Scott already mentioned at the beginning of this podcast, the uh, Mandalorian part, where we're getting towards the last few episodes, so it's all Mm -hmm. (laughs) very exciting. And Liam, over to you. Uh, yeah, you can just follow me on Twitter,
2: um, at Anthony Fitzpatrick and, um, yeah, <laughs> please, please follow the brand and, um, yeah, just, just be excellent people and, and, and like you're excellent to me, lads.
1: And Scott, so this will add another half hour to the podcast. <laughs> <blood>. <laughs> yeah,
0: guys, go make a coffee, put your feet up. Uh <laughs> You can find me on Twitter at Scott the 1996 uh, I was say before I get into the plugs. Thank guys. Thank you guys for having me on. I said already. I really enjoyed the series, and I'm glad that you guys had me on. And I think that was definitely one I was excited to talk about. But you can find me also on Rugged Pines Has already said me and Nathan reviewed the money plane, the the cinematic masterpiece that brings Edge and Kelsey Grammer together. You yeah, have the Rogue Retro Smackdown interview with myself and the aforementioned Sam that averages around 2-2.5 two, two hours an episode where, <laughs> where we should be running about the time for Backlash 2000, if not well on the road to it, where The Rock is set to battle Triple H with potentially Steve Austin and his corner. And you can also find, I'm hoping to get some articles up on Rogue Finds' site when I'm being forced to because I lost a debate to Sam on uh, Rian's Twitch. Which is about Steve Blackman, the charisma's vacuum. And you can find my other podcast at SBRM when we feel like recording. We've got stuff about Impact, Fraser, and all other good stuff. We tend not to talk about modern delivery because it depresses both of us. And eat, sleep, support, Retweet at support, retweet, retweet on Twitter. Uh, same podcast that you can find and Rogue Opinions on. I pop up there every so often, I think when the tennis has come out, this episode should be out Uh, I was part of a look back 25 years on from King of the Ring 1996 a two match show, Austin's match where he wins King of the Ring is not one of them Uh, as well as odd bits about New Japan and also stuff with the wrestling I do over there and now I feel very very tired after all those (laughs) plugs. and I once again thank you guys for having me on
1: Yeah, you'll be doing well to find a podcast that Scott McLeod isn't on, by the signs of that. My my voice
0: actually hasn't been going the last couple of days. I wonder why.
1: (laughs) 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 All right, well, thank you for tuning in, ladies and gentlemen. And it's goodbye from me. And goodbye from me.
0: And goodbye from (laughs) them.
2: Bye. Bye. You could not live with your own failure where did that bring you? Back to me. I thought by eliminating half of life, the other half would thrive. But you've shown me that's impossible. And as long as there are those that remember what was, there will always be those that are unable to accept what can be. I will shred this universe down to its last atom, and then create a new one, teeming with life that knows not what it has lost, but only what it has been given.
0: A grateful universe, they'll never know it, because you won't be alive to tell them.